So Matthew 27, verse 32. It says, As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Amen. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll jump into uh, the first portion of the word this evening. God, we just thank you once again for for this night. Lord, I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters who are gathered here together. And we're gathered here because of you. So you're worthy. We look to you. We wait on you. Speak to us. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, what I just really wanted to focus on tonight in this portion of the message is just the questions that the people had for Jesus in this moment. When they come to Jesus and, and, and most of them are asking, right, with a mocking tone, you know, if you are the son of God, then save yourself. You know, you've saved others. You said you're going to, you know, destroy the temple and raise it up in three days. You who have done great acts for others, in this moment, won't you save yourself? Then we will believe in you. Give us a sign. Give us a proof. Do something so that we know for a fact that you are indeed who you say that you are. Now, if you're like me um, and in your walk with the Lord and relationship with Jesus, um, there have been times when I too have asked and wondered, God, if you're so good, God, if you're so real, if you are who you say that you are, then show me, prove it to me, speak to me, make yourself known, then I will be fully obedient to you. Then I'll trust you. Then I'll surrender to you. And I think that's often the questions that we have when we see a tragedy like we did this past week, right? Where is God? Why would God allow such a thing to happen? Where is he? Won't he answer for the injustices in this world? Maybe it's a circumstance or a situation that you're going through at home with finances, with family, whatever it might be. And in those moments, we ask those same questions. God, where are you? God, I thought you're faithful. God, I'm a Christian. I've been serving you. I've been following you. I've been doing all of these things. And yet, just show me something. Give me a sign. Give me, you know, prove something to me. Then I'll obey you. Then I will know that you are indeed who you say that you are, that you are the son of God. It could be from big uh, catastrophic things to even uh, a crisis with our own faith, our own walks with God. God just... Tell me what to do. Just show me what to do. Then I'll believe in you. And that's the question that we have. So it would be easy for us, right? Or at least for me to admit that's it and, and say that, you know, if God made it very clear of who he is, 
Right? If God would just you know, walk into this room tangibly and we could see him with our eyes, then, then we'll believe. Then we'll trust him. Then we'll you know, give all of our possessions away or whatever. And, and, I'll, and I've come to a place where I realize that's not how Jesus operates. Right? Jesus didn't prove it to the enemy. Right? He asked the same question. If you are the son of God, and he passed that test, now the, the people, the crowd are chanting the same thing. If you are the son of God, then prove it. And Jesus is not willing to budge or prove anything to us because he's going after our hearts. Right? We would think that it would be easier if God just made it so clear, so evident, so, you know, spoke to us tangibly and, or, or you know, audibly and all of these different things, then we'll know what to do. But if you look in scripture, there was actually a time when that happened. Right? In the Old Testament, God comes to the scene. He rescues the Israelites from Egypt. God is very clear. They see miracles that are very powerful. The, 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 the Red Sea splitting, they, they're fed by manna. They do all, see all of these things. You know, God guides them. You know, they don't have to wonder, God, which direction do you want me to go? Because the pillar of cloud is there, as well as a pillar of fire. And God's call to them is, you know, come join me. I desire relationship with you, intimacy with you. Come, come to know me. I want to know you. And the people reacted by saying, nah, we're good. We're actually kind of afraid. So Moses, you go do your thing and, and we'll go build, you know, a golden calf. I mean, that's kind of how people have reacted to God being so clear, so evident, his presence tangibly there, speaking audibly to people. And yet people's hearts were still distant. At the end of the day, they were, they were thankful for the miracles, but yet they were so quick to grumbling once again. Now, we could say that, oh, that's, the people reacted like that because, you know, they were in the wilderness. You know, of course you're going to be in a bad mood if you've been in the desert for 40 years. So they're like, nah, we're okay. There was another time then when God was very clear. His presence was tangible. He spoke audibly to prophets, and that's when Israel finally became a nation. I mean, God blessed them. They were so prosperous that other kings from neighboring uh, countries and cities would come to find out about God. Right? The queen of Sheba's testimony, her declaration is, wow, there is no God like Solomon's God. But yet, even if you look at them, they, they heard God. God was so close. He blessed them. And yet their hearts turned to idols quickly. Right? Before you know it, the nation of Israel was, was broken up. They went into exile because even though God was there present, answering every single one of their needs and saying, God, where, are you real? But you're not going to doubt that when you see, like, the priest going in and dying. You know, like, okay, he's legit. But even then, when God was so real, spoke to them, answered all their qualms, they had no doubts if he was real or not. Yet their hearts, at the end of the day, still went to other idols. So I think that's where Jesus comes in. Not so much to answer those questions, because he's done it before. God, are you real? Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And humanity has shown that, honestly, we won't at the end of the day. So God comes because he realizes it's not so much about meeting our demands, our, 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 our asking for proof, but it has to be an inside job in our own hearts. The only way that God could do that is by coming as a man, by willing to go to the cross. I mean, that's how much Jesus loves us, that he's not willing to meet our demands, but answer the deepest needs of our hearts. Because Jesus could easily in that moment be like, all right, you want, you want a show? I'll give you a show. I mean, I love that about Jesus because he's so humble. 
He has nothing to prove. He's so secure in who he is as a son of God that he doesn't have to prove it to the enemy. He doesn't have to prove it to the crowd. But he's so secure in who he is that he wants to make us like himself. It's the inside job that Jesus has come to do. That's why he's willing to suffer because he's wanting to answer not our demands of proof, but our deepest needs are, 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 are the deepest cries of our hearts of wanting to be connected with God. Philip Yancey, he's a Christian author, and this is what he writes about God's love, is that he doesn't burden us with proof. That God's not willing to burden us with proof where we have, all right, I guess I just gotta believe because I'm gonna get punished or I have all this evidence. But what God is looking for is trust, is faith, is love. So even in those moments, he could easily answer the demands and the questions that all of us have in life. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have those questions or to ask those questions, but what God wants in the midst of all of these things, the reason why he goes to the cross is not to just meet our demands, but to meet us, to go after an inside job. I mean, that's the question that we're looking for. God, are you good? God, do you care? Where are you when I need you? Just show me something. And this is what Paul writes in Colossians, that the son of God is the image of the invisible God. Now, if we ever wanted to know, is God good? All we need to do is look at the cross. We have, if we wonder what God is like, we just look at Jesus, how he lived, how he interacted with people, because that's his heart. He's not willing to burden us and pressure us in the moment, that he loves us so much that he's even willing to be silent when we search for him. But he's there, he cares, he went to the cross. I mean, that's the question in suffering. So that's even in the midst of that, he's still good. And I want to close with this quote from Tim Keller as I transition to, to Pastor Rachel. It's from Tim Keller. And this is what he says about suffering. Right? In those moments, we ask God why. God, why am I going through this? Why is this happening? You know, why, why are all these things happening? And at the end of the, the day, only God knows why. And sometimes he doesn't share. But the reason why Jesus suffers Right? The reason why Jesus suffers isn't to eradicate suffering, but so that when we too suffer, that we would become like Christ.